appreciate you coming to Chattanooga. Oh, perfect. Thank you last, for the invitation. Last time we hosted this event was in your hometown, Chicago, or former hometown, but where your business is based. That's right. Yeah. It's amazing to see all the folks here. Congratulations on selling out all the demo stations. Uh, it's great to see Chattanooga get on the map free. Yeah, we're excited to have you here. So, uh, and certainly excited to have our guest here. So. Absolutely. So, uh, I was really excited to sit down and talk to you about so many of these topics here. And I like following you on Twitter. Uh, you cover such a wide range of topics. And I think maybe a lot of folks out there and folks here, they may think the world is a little wobbly mm. right now. And I found that you're always really calm, even in storms. So I'm just kind of curious, like, what do you think about the current events that are happening out there in the world? You know, it's a pretty transformative time for both just the world at large, but also our industry, because I think this is actually an opportunity for us as the industry to step up. You certainly have seen it in your business with what Project 44 does around visibility. In fact, we had a speaker yesterday, Peter Zion, talked about sort of this remaking of the geopolitical map with, you know, trade is certainly changing, but visibility is far more important in, in the modern sort of the way the world's working. He used the analogy that if a ship were to sink, we wouldn't even know for months what was on that ship. That's and true. I think it's interesting seeing the maturity of this industry and how as an industry, we're able to step up. But it, as a father of five kids, it's also a somewhat frightening time because you now have geopolitical issues. You have war that's going on. Uh, you have a remaking of the world. And it's for someone born in 1979, you and I are the same generation. This is a very different world that, than the one we grew up in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, kind of get in the, in the freight here. So how long has Freightways been, been in business that way? So, you just started. So we started in 2016. Okay. Uh, I had an idea to create a futures market in freight, uh, in trucking specifically. Uh, actually went to Chicago, spent a month learning how trading is done in Chicago, went to London uh, and came back and felt like this was something I wanted to do. I didn't imagine at the time that we would be a media company. I didn't imagine that we would be a data company. It wasn't even a part of the original business plan. In fact, we took our first seed capital. The media business didn't even make the pitch deck because oh, wow. I actually didn't think that was the business we wanted to be in. But I think because this is an industry that I'm passionate about and have a lot of firsthand experience growing up in a family of, of the industry, um, I felt like it was very easy to talk about what was going on or at least provide some perspective. And uh, I'm, you know, it's certainly not the business I envisioned, but I think with oftentimes as founders, you, you build something that you find what you're good at and you find what you're passionate about and you sort of double down on that. Yeah. Interesting. So I wanted to ask you about the futures business. We haven't talked about it in a long time. Uh, there were some critics out there uh, when it got started. I was a big believer. I said this, this, could, add, this, this could add a lot of value. Uh, but it, so much of this comes down to timing. Absolutely. And... Uh, do you think the timing now is to start thinking about this or you collect so much data now you have built this foundation with the media business sonar is uh, very successful now there's you've got great product and engineering folks uh, talk to me about how you think about futures you know it's funny Jet, you were one of the few people in the industry uh, that reached out to me when we launched it and correct mm -hmm. gradually because it was a vision that we had uh, and so, first of all, that was very meaningful. It really touched to have a founder that I, I look up to and consider uh, uh, someone that I'm inspired by that that has, you know, as a founder, this is a lonely journey for something as controversial sure. as futures. <laughs> and when you have someone that you respect and you hold in high regard to reach out and congratulate you, it means a lot. Look, our timing wasn't perfect. We launched the product that we envisioned would work. 
Um, we still believe in the product. We've not given up on it. We think futures make sense at some point in time. The market wasn't right. But what we did build out of that was we built a media business. Because the thing we learned about freight, really commodity markets in period, uh, in, in all commodity markets is you have media businesses which bring information to people that are exposed to the buy or sell that commodity. And you have data businesses that provide a level of high frequency data to inform people about what's happened in the market. And from that experience of building futures, we actually built a much stronger business yeah. with data and media. And at some point, there will be the opportunity to revisit that. We've never given up on it, but we wanna, we've learned a lot in that experience and we'll have the opportunity to redo it at the right time. The time is not now, but it very well could be in the future. Yeah. I think there's a lot of folks out there, especially with these market dynamics that, that, are, that are wondering when is the time, so. Well, I think, you know, the reality is you need, you, you need a couple of dynamics to make it work. You need the physical market to settle against the, con the contracts have to be settled. So if you look at commodities, oil is a great example, wheat, um, these commodities are essentially traded against some type of index. So basically, you know what the index floats up and down. Think about how trucking companies buy diesel. They're buying on a discount or premium of that. Until the physical market is ready to accept some type of floating price that is able to, we don't have this back and forth negotiation, but everybody agrees that this is the index and there's a, pro, a premium or a discount to it. It's going to be hard to get a financially settled future. And that was the, the experiment or experience that we learned, but we've not given up on it. We still believe that at the end of the day, creating products that de-risk the market, but more importantly, creating for transparency is, is the ultimate goal of the business. Uh, and that's certainly what we're focused on. It's great. So if there's, if I walk the halls here, I see 60 booths that are out there, which is phenomenal. I remember um, one of the first conferences of Freightways I attended, and I think there's maybe just half a dozen, maybe maybe a dozen, and now this is this is sold out. Uh, it's great to see Freightways put Chattanooga on the map. Maybe you win the debate now, is it Chicago <laughs> or, or, or Chattanooga? But what's the lesson that you learned? Maybe a lot of the entrepreneurs out there, or maybe they're, they're a vice president in an established company, and they're trying to start something new. They're trying to be innovative with inside the organization. And maybe the first time it didn't work and they have, they have to make a pivot. Because uh, you certainly have pivoted. Like you mentioned, all of this wasn't even in the first pitch deck. What would be the advice that you would give to those people that want to be innovative? Uh, they came through the school system that really says that if you make a mistake, you're a failure. Uh, but I think you and I would think differently about that. Look, a failure is the best lesson. I got my dad fired me, which is a pretty dark <laughs> time for me. He's actually sitting right there in the row. Hey, dad. Hey, mom. Uh, hosting your event in your town means your parents get to come see you. Um, awesome. The lessons you learn is that ultimately you have to get out there and try something and you have to continue at it. And if it doesn't work, you just continue to pivot until you find something that you actually does work. And then when you do, you want to make the experiments such that they don't kill the business or kill you as a founder. But so you take a lot of low risk experiments until you find what actually works and yep. then you go all in. And I think you, I've seen you just your own evolution of Project 44, what you've built, some of that sort of colors there. I think one of the other things, and you and I have this in common, is we grew up in this industry. We weren't founders in the logistics industry uh, initially. We worked in the industry. And I think in some ways that has given us an advantage 
That doesn't mean that a founder that's come from outside this industry can't be successful. But I think one of the important things that's often misunderstood by venture-backed companies and founders in this room, but also outside of it, is that they assume this is just like launching a consumer app mm. or a Silicon yeah. Valley social media app. And it's a very different business. You have to have relationships. You have to understand the dynamics of the industry. And I think that's what we're hoping to do is bring people together to a part of that community so they have access to it. They have access to decision makers, influencers, and people that understand it. Um, and I think that's, if you look at the companies that have built sustainable value, they have either been founders that have recruited folks with a lot of experience or have been founders that have been a part of this ecosystem. Yeah, I totally agree with that. <clears throat> so as you're making the pivots, as you're navigating all this, did you ever think that maybe you were gonna take a dirt nap, maybe, maybe go out of business? Oh, absolutely. Like, I think I miss those days in some way. Uh, and there's, I start, I bought a business fly magazine, which is a much smaller business. Um, and it still has these life and death moments. And I'm like, oh, I thought I missed this. Until you actually get there and you're like, I don't know how to make payroll sometimes. Um, yeah. I mean, my, my wife and I got married in 2017 and we hadn't found an investor. We'd been turned down by a hundred different investors. And I had used my credit card. The only thing I had, I had burned all my cash, uh, unfortunately, getting the business going. And I had a credit card, a Bank of America credit card, I had a $50,000 line of credit, because I had good credit. That's the only thing I had left. <laughs> and we maxed out a credit card. And my wife and I flew to Asia. We went to Thailand for our honeymoon. And I, we used miles. So we set center seat. But I remember <laughs> not making payroll and not having much left and we're walking down the aisle and there were some near-death experiences. We got a $75,000 investment from a firm, uh, Engage Ventures out of Atlanta, and that helped us make payroll. And yeah. then, but that near-death experience, I will never take that moment back. You're staring into the abyss and you're like, I don't know if this business is gonna make it. I remember walking into Walmart and seeing these greeters and being like, well, if all else fails, I can be a greeter. <laughs> so, uh, but it, it is, those are the moments that I think you learn who's on the team, uh, who's really committed, uh, but also as a founder that gives you the grit. And, I, and and beyond that, we've had moments where we've also had challenges and been cash challenges at times. Uh, we tried to raise a, a round of funding in uh, March of 2020, which was the worst possible time to raise it. And there was a moment where I thought we we're, were going to lose it all. And um, And while at that moment in time, it was incredibly difficult, what I found was we had board members that rallied around us. Mm. They came and helped figure it out. They rolled up their sleeves. We had employees that rallied around it. And that showed the grit of the team. And it also showed if we couldn't die then, that the moments when you have doubt, that it's, it gives you a lot. I think it gives you much thicker skin. Yeah. Yeah, having a great board, a great, uh, great team and great board, great investors around the table can make a big, big difference, especially on those lonely nights. I mean, the board is... I think as founders, and I don't know what your experience is, but at least for me, when you haven't raised capital and you hear these horror stories, you always hear the stories of like bad board constructs, yeah. or you hear stories of founders having difficult situations and the board firing them or something out. That's not a good board. What a right. board, like there are situations that you deserve to get fired and we, we know who those are. But there are situations where there are difficult moments in businesses and every successful business at some point has a crisis. Mm -hmm. And that's when you find out who's really on your side right. at the board level. And we've been fortunate. I imagine, you know, you guys have had opportunities where you've actually been able to see the ones that have stepped up and the ones that haven't. That's and right. that you have a clear understanding of who's actually rooting for your business. And that's when it matters to have the board. Absolutely. Because when it's easy and things are going well, you don't really need your board. 
It's when things are really difficult and you can call on someone and they're going to roll up their sleeves and figure it out with you. That means the, it means so much. That's right. That can really make or break a company. Absolutely. So your 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 uh, your dad's here, your mom's here. This is exciting. And uh, I've heard you know there's always uh, there's always critics. The more successful you become, the more critics. Come. I have plenty. It's okay. <laughs> we, we're uh, we attract this. I always try to find comfort that no one's ever made a statue of a critic. Uh, but, uh, there's some people that say, well, you know, you were, you were born in a, a position of privilege. I didn't know that, uh, your dad had actually terminated you. Yeah. He uh, fired me. <laughs> and then he did not invest a dime in freight waves. He, 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 it was on my own, but it, so it was a great, you know, I had to, took a year after that, after he fired me, I went to Dallas and, uh, <clears throat> tried to be an employee. I was a really bad employee, by the yeah, way. So am I. <laughs> we, we're unhirable. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So as founders, we're sort of that way. Um, but, you know, I had to raise money and, and stuff. And look, coming from a family that's had a lot of success in this industry, you've seen the good, the bad, the ugly. My dad was, I, my dream as a kid, as a college student, uh, and even younger, was to be my dad, to go take over his company. And that opportunity was not the one that I ended up having the opportunity for. And but but I love this industry, and yeah. it seems weird. Yeah. Like I can appreciate we get it. it. You appreciate yeah. it when you when you know something and you're passionate about it, and you have I like to say I have diesel in my blood. I have the opportunity to take what I learned from my father and build on it. Yeah. Um, but the journey wasn't simple, as it never is, and I would never change that for the world. The best thing that ever happened to me—I've said this to my dad so many times, sort of a badge of honor—is him firing me. Yeah. And when that world was cut off from me when I knew that I could not rely on my family to, to pick me up, that I had to do it on my own, I, what I realized is before that, I didn't have the confidence I could do something. Mm. And now that I've actually done it without the financial support of the family, it means so much more. And our relationship is as good as it's ever been. And, um, and that, that's meaningful. And, Absolutely. Um, so, yeah. That's amazing. So uh, obviously huge success, Freight Waves has been in freight. We've talked about that. A little bit, but I was like getting your point of view on events outside. I mean, I've seen you literally move the stock market. Uh, I think that was in, in March. Yeah, we it was April 1st, and then we, yes. Doubled down? Well, no, we had, it was a, a shipping article we wrote about the container market yeah. uh, in uh, June, which also moved the market. It's a bit frightening when your customers' stock prices move yeah. down. So That could be a difficult situation to navigate. Look, we, we, it's not our intention to move the markets, but it's our intention to provide observations and information. And the markets will do what the markets do. And if people are invested in the long term, then these are just waves that happen. And if you've been in freight, these are just normal waves. Um, but our credibility is most important. We don't do it to move the market. We do it to say what we believe and have conviction to it. Yep. It doesn't mean that um, we are going to always get that right, but we have conviction in our topics. And it's not to drive clicks. That's that's a misnomer. It's to drive credibility to the data. And we've had critics that have criticized, just rightfully so, have different opinions. What we've told our team is, and this is something one of my board members told me, and he asked me back in June, and he's like, do you really believe your data? I said, absolutely. He goes, you have conviction. I said, 100%. And I meant that. Um, and he said, if you do, then don't respond to your critics. because." And he had ran S&P, like one of the largest data companies in the world. And he said, because when you're right, if you actually believe this is going to happen, when you're right, then all the folks that have criticized your call 
have been on the wrong side of history. That's right. And you will be on the right. There's nobody wins an argument on social media, right? <laughs> it's true. Like you can't win arguments on social media. And so there's no point. And so for us, we stand by our beliefs, we stand by our convictions, and we have the market to decide what happens. And, you know, everyone will, will draw their own conclusions, um, but those are the calls we make. We have conviction to them. We stand by them. That's great. I know we're, we're out of time here, but it's been an honor uh, coming up here and having the chance to interview you. It's also been an honor uh, watching you build one of the most iconic companies of our generation. Thank Jet, you. Jet, likewise. And I, I think you think about this is a profound time in our industry. What Project 44 has done has been profound in what you, you built. <clears throat> and it's remarkable to see we've been at this for a while, you and I, <laughs> and a couple of other founders. I think sure. we've reached a point where this is no longer a venture experiment of sorts, but right. our businesses are have the opportunity to shape not just supply chain, mm -hmm. but the way the world works. That's and right. we're gonna, we are more important today, your business, Project 44, FreightWaves, and others that are focusing on supply chain, we're more important today than any other point in history. That's right. Because the world's far more, or far less stable and far more unpredictable. And it means that the visibility business that you've built that provides intelligence around where freight's moving at a product level and macroeconomic macro data that we provide and information is far more important today. Yep. So I'm honored to be That's with great. you and uh, it means so much that you came to Chattanooga yeah. to be here. I appreciate it. Thanks for the invite. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks so much.